Blog Talk Radio. Conquer my opponent. Defeat will not be in my creed. I will believe where others have doubted. I have trained my mind and my body will follow. Who am I? I am a champion. But American Pharaoh is strong on the lead. Calculators all hard chasing him. But American Pharaoh is all class. I will acknowledge the fact that my opponent does not expect me to win. But I will never surrender. Weakness will not be in my heart. I will arrive at the cutting edge of battle and win by any means at my disposal. Who am I? I am a champion. And it's all American Pharaoh answering this test with flying colors. American Pharaoh will rock home in the rebel. I will always keep myself mentally alert, physically strong, and morally straight. And I will shoulder more than my share of the task, whatever it may be, 100%. Who am I? I am a champion. And American Pharaoh is putting on a show. He has not been asked the question, but everyone knows the answer. Not only will I show the world that I am a specially selected and well-trained warrior, my heart and my soul will be the fuel to carry my body when my limbs are too weary. I will never falter. I will never lose focus. As long as there is hope in my mind and my heart still beats, I will never give in to the evil that is weakness, and I will fight that evil with my dying breath. American Pharaoh on the outside, firing line hanging tough from the back of the pack and Strauss and Dorman down toward the rail, 16th to go, and American Pharaoh at firing line, and it's American Pharaoh pulling away late, American Pharaoh rules the derby! The home for the lead, now defining rod, fully driven in second, Dorman couldn't quicken in third, they're coming through the final furlong, and it's American Pharaoh and Victor Espinosa with a lead by six from Divine Rod. American Pharaoh, a true American phenom. American Pharaoh, phenomenal in the Preakness, led all the way.
they'll never forget forget this. Bodie, hopefully, you'll never forget it. But what are the best parts of the whole three races? Uh, winning them. And it's all American Pharaoh answering this test with flying colors. American Pharaoh is all class. He has not been asked a question, but everyone knows the answer. American Pharaoh rules the Derby. American Pharaoh, a true American phenom. And welcome to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter joined by Mike Bozich and a new opener, so to speak, for this uh, show as we talk about American Pharaoh. We are, we are a harness racing show, but uh, we want to talk about the great champion as well. Uh, Mike, how are we doing tonight? Well, we're doing fantastic, and what a pleasure that thing was to put together. I have to tell you, I got goosebumps about uh, four or five or six times listening uh, to, you know, our comrades – they did their job. They, those guys were, were tremendous calls. First and foremost, I, I've got to say that because obviously we're announcers, but uh, it was all about the horse. Hats off to American Pharaoh. And uh, yes, we are a harness racing show, but we figure that being that American Pharaoh was going to go down in the annals of history as one of the great ho- race horses that ever lived, that we should devote some time to it. So here's our time that we're devoting to it, Mike. No, definitely. Uh, that was it. Was one heck of a race, and uh, Victor Espinosa said the one thing that kind of got to me at the end was he he said this was the last chance I was going to get to ride him, and I was just going to push him as hard as he would go because he knew he would give it all, and he didn't even have to do anything coming down the stretch. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it sure was, and uh, you know, I mean, even if you go back to the Belmont Stakes, I mean, the just the idea of the 37-year drought of the Triple Crown coming to a close. And, you know, I would say the final furlong, you kind of knew it. And uh, just – I have to be honest with you, Mike. You know, I'm I'm 40 years old now. And, you know, as years go by of, of, of just misses, you have to think that, man, you know, maybe, maybe I won't live to see a Triple Crown winner. But, uh, you know, American Pharaoh certainly dispelled that. Did, did you say you were 40? I thought it was 140. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm do we have a do, do we have uh, a drum roll bit? Do we have a drum roll bit in there, Mike? At all? I I wish we need a but for those kind of moments, but that's okay. Uh, Mike, we got a lot coming up on the show. We're going to talk freaky feet peeps and wiggle and jiggle it momentarily. Uh, we have our stable spotlight first. Our first one of those coming up here in just a little bit as well. And we've also got a very special guest coming up at 7:30 and Ted Black. Ted Black covers the. Uh, races at Dover, Harrington, and Rosecroft for betamerica.com. So we'll have Ted Black join us a little bit later on. And we'll also go over some of the harness racing headlines, and that's presented to you by fantasytrot.com. Join us in Macedonia on SoundCloud. Listen to his podcast. He has a lot of things uh, there for you. Again, that's the end of our show, the headlines. So a lot of fun stuff coming up tonight. Yeah, we'll uh, touch on the American Nationals, too. Some great horses in action, including Freaky Feet Peter. We'll talk about him in just a moment. Um, also, we'll uh, we'll touch on Foiled again. Foiled again is going to be in action. A lot of good horses gonna be going to be in action at uh, my old haunt for a number of years, Balmoral Park. But, Mike, if, if we can get back to American Pharaoh, just uh, for a couple seconds, and then okay. I promise we'll get into the, we'll get no, into the harness. But um, horseracingnation.com, and I was uh, – perusing that website a little bit earlier today, and they've got a, an interesting ranking of uh, the top uh, 250 uh, thoroughbreds, mainly U.S.-based. And out of my – just to appease my curiosity, kind of wanted to know where American Pharaoh at this early stage – and I know history has to – you know, it's, it's something that has to kind of set in to people. Like right. secretaries had a number of years to, to set in, to, uh, you know, for that – uh, horse to uh, to kind of set in a little bit, but where would you think? And I'll ask you right now. 
just a couple of days removed from the Grand Slam win. Where would you put American Pharaoh on that list? Top five. Just give me a just give me a number. You'd go top five. Top top five, maybe even six. You know, you've got such great horses. I I would have to go top six of all time. Well, how about number sixteen? Mm, not so much. <laughs> number sixteen. That well, that, that, that that's what it is. Number sixteen. But but you have to figure. Now this is interesting because it says on there that it updates every half hour, which is right. kind of interesting. And I swore the first time that I checked it. He was at 13. So then I, I, I checked it again for some reason or another, and he went down to 16. So it's kind of like these polls that the Republicans and the Democrats have going, depending on which one you see and which one you read. But, you know, it's, it's kind of a pointless argument, Mike, because in all honesty, you're never going to get all them great horses on a racetrack together. And obviously, Secretariat was number one. But, you know, you talk about this great story, Mike, this American Pharaoh, and I stumbled on his – uh, when I was putting this piece together, I stumbled on his maiden performance, which wasn't that good at all. It was, as a matter right. of fact, he, he lost it. He didn't even get in the money. And, uh, um, but you know what? He since went on to win a couple of races there, including the Del Mar Futurity, and he actually missed the Breeders' Crown Juvenile. And then he came back in 2015 and you know did all the damage. I mean, the Rebel, the Arkansas Derby, Kentucky Derby, Preakness, Belmont. You know, uh, he's the second fa- it was the second fastest time for a Triple Crown winner. As a matter of fact, the last quarter that American Pharaoh went was faster than Secretariat's. And, uh, you know, that might be a segment because just a quick interesting story, and then we'll, uh, we'll close the segment out. But just a quick interesting story, Mike, and I might have told this on one of the test shows, but I'm going to tell it again. I was subbing for you in Virginia doing a fair uh, on the day of the Belmont Stakes. And we got out of there just in time, I think maybe with about an hour left before the Belmont Stakes, uh, you know, uh, started. And obviously I wanted to go to a place, maybe a restaurant or something of that sort to uh, to watch the actual race. And as you know, Mike, around there, forget about it. You're going to be driving right. a little ways. So I don't know. I drove and drove and drove. And luckily I made the race. I stumbled in an Applebee's and I made the race. And I didn't really think that. You know, a lot. I, I mean, I thought I would have to go in there and ask him to turn the channel on. And I didn't really, I mean, it was a packed Applebee's so, because, you know, that's the only thing within 300 miles of that place. So I kind of thought that there would, you know, that, that uh, nobody would be watching, but it was packed. And actually, everybody was watching. And it was kind of touching because, uh, you know, as, as America Farrow was turning for home and as he started to gradually grow his lead, I mean, everybody was cheering and it was quite a scene. And, uh, you know, hats off to a champion, but I do think that that number 16 rating, at least to that on that website anyway, but I, th- right. I think he'll go up as time goes on. All right. Well, uh, that's our, that's our American Pharaoh segment for, uh, at least for now. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about freaky feed Pete versus wiggle and jiggle it last week. Mike, I watched the race. I'll tell you what freaky feed Pete definitely looked much the best. He got another very good trip. You know, there's a lot of skepticals out there who are saying, you know, oh, he's a tripped-out horse, he's a tripped-out horse. But I really don't believe that. So it was similar to the trip he had in the Breeders' Crown, with the exception of he, you know, he sat the pocket and, of course, he tipped to the outside and right on by he went. But in the Breeders' Crown, he was fourth, he tipped to the outside, and off he went. You know, I just I don't buy the tripped-out thing. The only thing I could tell you, Mike, is that when Larry Reinheimer goes to collect those checks, they're not going to—they're not going to have any kind of a, a, uh, a stipulation that says uh, anything about a trip on it. I'll tell you that. Um, you know what? The, li- listen, the skeptics can be the skeptics. The bottom line is this horse keeps winning. At the end of the day, does it really matter if it was from the pocket? Does it matter if it was second over? Does it matter if he was 12 lengths, 15 lengths out turning for home? Does it matter if he was, uh, you know, on the lead and a half of 50? It don't matter. The, va- the fact of the matter is, is this horse is winning. He's getting it done. And uh, hats off to that group, uh, you know, for, uh, for you know, sticking with this horse. And, and obviously he's been able to turn the tables the last couple of times on Wiggle It Jiggle It, who uh, has and continues to give us a fun ride here in 2015. And it's upward and onward. We're going to talk about the American Nationals, uh, Nationals a little bit later on at Balmoral. And that's Freaky Feet Pete's next destination coming up on Saturday. Well, Mike, yeah, that's, uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Right now, uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got the stable spotlight with Mr. Anthony DeFrancisco III. That's coming up. It's our first stable spotlight 
uh, of our show series. We're going to take uh, some time to go through some of the smaller stables, introduce you to them, and uh, give you some good interviews. But we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. It takes them every ounce of energy to get out of bed. They struggle to the mirror and comb their hair, what's left of it. But when the race is on, it's on. The Dallas in between horses, Jettison gets to the lead, and Jettison will take the Niatron. Go to the finish, McWicked, by as much as he pleases. Dalos with 100 yards to go. The Dalos and driver Drew Monty win the Niatros final. Draws away as they come down to the finish. Pinkman, a go-away winner. That's Harness Racing's newest podcast post-time with Mike Bozich and Mike Carter every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern on blogtalkradio.com. We're back on the show. Mike Bozich, Mike Carter. Lots coming up on this particular program. We'll have uh, Ted Black, the correspondent for BetAmerica.com. He's going to be joining us talking about the matron towards the bottom of the hour. Plus, we'll have headlines and more. We'll touch on the American Nationals coming up from Balmoral featuring Freaky Feet, Pete. But uh, first, uh, we're going to uh, turn it over to a stable spotlight segment, and it's going to feature Anthony DeFrancesco III. So without further ado, Mike Carter, if you want to roll that tape. Mike Bozich here, and it's time for our Stable Spotlight, brought to you by friends of Maryland Standard Breads, and we're here with Anthony DeFrancesco III. Anthony, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the business? Well, I started heading down the farm with my dad, who always had uh, one or two horses as a hobby when I was probably five, six years old, and uh, that became my passion, something that I always wanted to do after that, and... uh, Little by little, started walking horses and filling water buckets, cleaning stalls, started from the bottom, worked my way to where I'm at now. And, uh, you know, I have my dad to thank for that on uh, on all good notes. Talk a little bit about some of the memories that you've had of harness racing uh, growing up and in the past. Um, 46 years old, but I feel like I've been around for 100 years. Uh, you know, I've seen the... Back at Liberty Bell, double-gated horses of Scully. Um, then seeing it again with Six-Day War, with Snickter, uh, Nihilator, Niatros, uh, the great horses back when the Monty Gelrod had the great stable of Bill Robinson with Pacific Rocket and Riyadh. Uh, Brandywine, <clears throat> the Battle of Brandywine every year. We all look forward to that. Uh, Jack Mose, John Campbell, growing up watching uh, watching these guys perform night in and night out. Uh, it, to me, I think uh, I got to grow up at one of the best parts of uh, the industry uh, with, with some of the greatest drivers. Uh, the competition was fierce every night, and uh, the, the horses they're they're always always showed up. There was always always good racing uh, when I was a kid. There was never a bad race, never. Take us through a day in the life of the trainer, Anthony DeFrancesco III. Well, the alarm goes off about five. I live in South Philadelphia, a stable in Mullica Hill. Uh do most of my racing at Harris, so the alarm goes off about five AM. Leave the house approximately five thirty, quarter to six. Arrive at the barn by six fifteen. Then at that point we start jogging, training if need be. Uh, when we're finished doing the jogging and training, I uh, see the barn through myself and the help. 
doing the horses up, making sure everything's uh, ready for the races equipment-wise. And, uh, you know, if the blacksmith comes on Wednesdays and Saturdays, so we have to, you know, make sure any horses need to be shod, get shod. And, you know, from that point, we have to be at Chester. You know, some days I have to have a truck on the road by 8 o'clock for the first race. Uh, sometimes we have to make two or three trips. That's why I have five or six in, and luckily we're close to uh, Harris, which is only uh, 25 minutes from our farm. So we make two or three trips to get the horses there in time for Lasix, where some that aren't Lasix have to be there a little bit later. And then we try to make it a little bit easier coming home uh, and maybe just do one or two trips. Then, uh, you know, after we check everything out back at the barn and feed dinner, non-race days, get home about 2 o'clock because I have two people at the barn that work for me that actually live at the farm, and they feed dinner at 6.30. And on race days, we get home probably about 8 o'clock. So pretty long days. Uh, we race in the afternoons at Harris every day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. They start at 12.40. And, um, you know, that's the reason why we can get done somewhat early. If we raced at night, obviously, we get on much later. Talk about some of the horses uh, that you've had in the past and that you have currently. Well, some of the horses I've had in the past, uh, favorites when I was a kid was Blue Steel, Carrie J, uh, BG Boy, Swift Bullet. Uh, they were they were horses uh, growing up around my dad uh, that they were his favorites and mine. And uh, I got to win my first race at a mile track with uh, BG Boy. Uh, with Jack Mosaic Garden State one night. That was a huge thrill. Uh, Currently in the barn, uh, ER room, a special blend who's a special horse to us. We purchased him from uh, the Colettas a few months after Anthony got injured. Uh, Of course, Jeffers Party. He's been in the barn six years. He was a $10,000 claim when he was five. He's now 11. He's made over 300000 and won over 30 races for us. My cousin, Joe Lano, owns him. And uh, that's, uh, you know, they're the horses that uh, were, you know, the main main pieces of the puzzle right now in the barn. And well, I have to mention Red Carpet, too, too. He's been a good horse to me this year. Claimed him for 10000 claimed him for twelve five, uh, claimed him for fifteen. moving went back and forth. And uh, he's been uh, very, very good to us. Uh, he's won like uh, three races for us, a bunch of seconds, thirds, and he shows up. There's a horse that uh, Dave Miller won five breeders crown races, and uh, yeah, he actually likes driving this horse. He just says he tries every week. And to hear it from the driver of uh, Dave Miller's talent uh, that the horse tries every week kind of makes you feel good. What's the dream race that you would say uh, would be the one to go after and to win as a trainer? I'd like to have a race with my dad's owner and win that race. No no, no purse would matter. All right. Anthony, what we'll do now is we're going to do a little bit of a buzz session. We're going to ask you six questions and uh, give us a one-word answer or a short answer, a couple-word answer. We'll uh, take it without giving you the buzzer. Okay, here we go. Who taught you the most about racing? Forrest Gary. Best horse you ever saw? Annihilator. Uh, First time you sat behind a horse, what'd you think? Wow, this is awesome. Biggest difference between racing now and 20 years ago? Uh, to me, just the money or the passion still the same. What do you prefer racing over, a half mile, five-eighths, or a mile? Five-eighths. Open stretch or no open stretch? Uh, no open stretch. And to close it out, the most important question of all, AD3, Hillary or Trump? Trump. Mike Carter, Hillary or Trump? <laughs> uh, neither. Neither. Okay. We'll give you a couple months to think about it. You still have a year, by the way, to make up your mind. Yeah, I know. What can I say? 
I like how you well, any- that though, because that's a fun question. Yeah, well, you just you just got to cut it off there. You can't get into the the you know the the whys and all that. But you know what? Um, that was our first segment spotlight. We certainly appreciate Anthony for joining us. And uh, we're going to try to turn this into a weekly segment, basically where we, uh, you know, we concentrate on a, on a stable, let them tell their stories. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of lunchbox, a lot of lunchbox guys out there. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that there's cer- certainly there's a couple of millionaires out there. But you know what? A lot of these guys are out there doing what they love to do, and they're not getting rich off of it. And uh, like we said in our vision statement, every horse uh, has a story, you know, every hoof that hits that racetrack, every trainer that gets up at five in the morning, every driver that straps it up and gets out there. And all these guys that bust their butt to make this sport possible, have a story. And uh, we plan on telling it right here on uh, post time with Mike and Mike positively promoting harness race. Right. And uh, next week, uh, we've got a great stable spotlight coming up. I think we've already got it pretty much uh, set up. Don't we? Yeah, we don't want to tip it yet, but if you check your social media, um, I'm sure we'll uh, give everybody fair notice. Now, if they'd like to follow him on social media, Mike, being that's your department, you are the social media director of Post Time with Mike and Mike. You get paid very well to do that. Six six figures you make to do that. Yeah. So why don't you yeah. tell why don't you tell everybody how they could uh, connect with us? Well, there's a lot of ways to connect with us. Uh, listening to the show, obviously, you can connect on Blog Talk Radio uh, every Thursday night at seven o'clock. We have a Twitter feed. Uh, Check us out at PT Mike and Mike One. Also, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash PT Mike and Mike. And uh, you can also, we've, we've sort of, uh, our shows, they go to the iTunes Music Store. And you can listen to it immediately following the conclusion of our show. It goes right into the iTunes Store under podcast. Make sure to check us out there. You can check our archive out on Blog Talk Radio. So there's lots of ways to listen. And uh, if you can't listen to us right now, and if you're listening to the archive, we uh, hope you're enjoying the show. Yep, and you could even hear a couple of our test shows out there, Mike, a couple of the ones where we were uh, – well, I was technologically trying to find my way through. You had it all figured out. You you bailed me out of, about 100 times. But, yeah, I think I've got this thing figured out. And I haven't graduated to the point to where – I could do the whole studio thing yet. That's still your, you know, your, uh, that's still your thing, but, uh, I'm, I'm getting there, Mike. I've actually been able to go the last couple of shows without getting cut off, which for me is uh, a pretty big accomplishment. And for those of you who are listening, he was on time again today. So, so you know what? He's starting to learn the system. I'm loving it, but, uh, coming up in a little bit, Press, uh, pressing got... that direct, pre- pressing that direct connect button is very, very tough for me, Mike. Uh, hey, you know, you never know. Uh, you never know what it's going to do when you push the button. I, sometimes it doesn't pick up my microphone. So, uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, though, uh, we've got Ted Black coming on. He is the BetAmerica.com correspondent who talks about Dover, Harrington, and Rosecroft. We'll have him on in just a little bit. And coming up later on, we'll talk about the American Nationals and headlines, of course, presented by NSCTrot.com. So uh, we still got a lot to come up, Mike. Yeah, we sure do. And uh, why don't we take it to break? And when we come back, hopefully Ted Black will be joining us in the next couple of minutes. We're going to talk about Matron because there were four nice races. The two-year-olds were in action at Dover. And as a matter of fact, the last uh, Matron race was uh, getting underway, actually starting probably about five minutes before uh, our showtime. So uh, we're going to have all that covered with Ted Black, and that's coming up in uh, probably a couple minutes, Mike. Yeah, probably about four or five minutes. We'll take you to commercial break. This is Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook.
international front. Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And uh, Mike, uh, we're still waiting on Ted Black, but while we're waiting on him, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Harrisburg sale. Some big sales uh, happened in Pennsylvania this week. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the first day uh, equaled a sales record for Philly Trotters, $500,000. And uh, it wasn't me, Mike. I, I came up about the four ninety nine ninety nine short. But uh, anyway, it was uh, the record was set back in 2003. It was a, a Philly, a yearling Philly trotter out of Cantab Hall, who had the uh, top three, uh, or was the sire of the uh, top three purchases of the day. And uh, it was the stakes winning. That's not my name, the mayor. Uh, so pretty impressive bloodline from this source. Stefan Lean uh, was uh, and uh, Eric Bender basically the uh, gentleman that uh, won that sweepstakes. And uh, some of the numbers. For uh, day one, there was 258 sold for an average of uh, $55,781. And as a total after three days, and I know they had some uh, more going on today, I think the weanlings, but the total after three days uh, was uh, 1,010 sold, the average $30,835. I think that was a little bit down from uh, last time, but certainly not uh, terrible uh, for the uh, sale, the big sale at Harrisburg going on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mike, we've got Ted Black joining us uh, from Dover Downs, and uh, Ted does some writing for BetAmerica.com. Ted, we appreciate you joining us tonight. All right, thanks for having me on. Ted, Mike Bozich here. We, like Mike said, we certainly appreciate you joining us. There was some good action going on today at Dover, the matrons, uh, and I guess we could just take them in order. The two-year-old Colton Gelding uh, Trotters were in action, uh, I believe, in the second race, going for a purse of $216,000. And, yeah, had several contenders in there. Uh, Chuck Silvestro, I know, had a couple of horses in there, the one-two finishers from the kindergarten. Tell us what you saw from that race, Ted. Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, on paper, it looked like it was going to be a match race between uh, Doggone Lucky, who won the kindergarten for Chuck Sylvester, and uh, Love Matters, one of Jimmy Tactor's trainees who came in, uh, came in winning six of eight, and uh, the only two times he had gotten beaten, uh, he went off stride. Um, and then Milligan School was actually a decent fifth in the Breeders' Crown uh, and drew inside today for uh, Julie Miller and Andy Miller driving. And uh, those three kind of dominated the race from the outset. Um, doggone Lucky left and uh, allowed uh, Love Matters to, to take the lead, and Love Matters cut the fractions. Most of the way, they're pretty uh, honest splits, 27-2, 57-1, and 126-2 for three quarters. He never really got pressured. Uh, doggone lucky sat the pocket trip, and uh, Corey angled him out, turned it for home, and took the lead pretty uh, easily. And then um, Andy Miller's horse, Milligan School, who was sitting third the whole time, closed between horses late and uh, just missed catching the winner. Doggone lucky went it by maybe ahead a long, uh, neck uh, and 155 Milligan school was a good second and uh, love matters finished third. Um, no excuse, no pressure. Uh, but those three were really well clear of the, uh, the other horses in there. Now, Ted, uh, I watched the race specifically and love matters. I, I thought was going to have, you know, a little bit of a finish. Were you surprised that love matters faded as bad as uh, he did? Uh, not surprised for the most part. I mean, I know he he, uh, he didn't really get pressed at any point along the way. But, uh, I mean, you're talking about a horse that's uh, mainly come through the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes. Um, he got beat at odds on in the final. Went to Kentucky and made a break there. Um, you know, probably hasn't faced the same competition that Doggone Lucky and Milligan School have to this point in the season. 
So um, it was it was a good effort, you know, um, but just didn't have enough in the lane. And uh, you know, I, I guess the the class right now for the one and two showed, and uh, especially doggone lucky. I mean, he's just just in peak form right now. Yeah, certainly is. You know, uh, a couple of uh, things that happened early in that race that I thought may have. Uh, affected the outcome. Both weightlifter K, uh, I believe, broke way before the start. And uh, Dewey Lover and Lever, I think, broke on the first turn. But, uh, you know, a horse, uh, Ted, that kind of caught my eye, and, and, I, and I've been watching this horse a little bit as Milligan School. And you talked about the fifth-place finish in the Breeders' Crown. Did have a, a, a poor post uh, from post nine. Was going up against Southwind Frank, who's just been dynamite, and Marion Marauder has been second best to him. But Milligan School, like you said, certainly closed uh, well and just missed in the end. You have to wonder... Uh, maybe if this was a a, a a mile track, if Milligan School would have got the job done. Ah, uh, he just may have. I mean, certainly uh, the trip didn't work out ideally for him. You know, he got away uh, third and basically stayed in the whole time. Um, and then down the backside, Taco Tuesday came out first over and just basically sat there for a little bit. Didn't really offer any pressure. And then turning for home. Uh, Dog on Lucky certainly had the most trot and angled out and took the lead. And Milligan School followed him and then split horses between him and Love Matters the last, you know, hundred yards and really closed willingly in uh, in the lane and probably three four jumps past the wire. He was past Dog on Lucky, so uh, really good effort from the winner and um, you know equally as good effort from uh, the runner up. You know, even though he he just didn't quite get there tonight. And you got a good point. I mean, a longer stretch. He is probably going to get there. All right. Doggone lucky with his third straight, uh, picking up the win for the owners, uh, Stolfus and uh, Stansley, uh, Amy Lynn Stolfus and Charles Stansley. Chuck Sylvester with the uh, the winning train and the captain, Corey Callahan, with the winning drive. And uh, that's uh, his uh, second straight stakes victory. Moving along, race four, Ted, was the, uh, Mary, the uh, matron's thanks for two-year-old Philly Trotters uh, were in action. And uh, a couple of the standouts going in. Uh, Woman's Will, the uh, fourth-place finisher in the Breeders' Crown, a Pennsylvania Sire Stakes winner. And uh, Kathy Parker, who finished uh, sixth in the uh, the Breeders' Crown, but uh, was a second-place finish in the uh, Pennsylvania Sire Stakes final. Talk a little bit about this one. Yeah, uh, good point. I mean, on paper, it did like, look like it was going to be a match race between those two. Uh, Woman's Will end up being 6-5 to five favorite for trainer Julie Miller and, of course, uh, husband Andy Miller driving, coming off a uh, uh, you know, a decent fourth-place effort in the Breeders' Crown behind all the time. And then Kathy Parker, uh, who's been consistent all year long uh, for Tactor, was 8-5 to five second choice. And uh, she showed the most initiative leaving the gate and took the lead from Woman's Will um, early on. No, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Kathy Parker took the lead early on, and Woman's Will actually opted to get away fourth. It looked like uh, Andy was Thinking about a quarter move um, you know, on the on the first turn and opted to stay in and stayed in for it. So Kathy Parker pretty much didn't have any pressure for the first half a mile. Got to happen 57-1, and then Woman's Will come out first over midway on the clubhouse turn and uh, basically completed what I would call an extended brush bid to take command going by three quarters and 125 and change. And from there, I mean, just – Drew off as, as much the best. Didn't see the chart, but it looked like she won by about five and a half, six, and 154 and two. So, really good effort from uh, Woman's Will. Fifth win and 12 start. Uh, excuse me, fifth win and, yeah, 12 starts for her. Uh, and just looks like she's she's got a nice future. I mean, she, she won this race pretty easily. And again, um, a long first over bid to take the lead and just drew off the last quarter mile. Yeah, Ted, uh, I was, that, that was another one I was interested to watch. But, you know, Kathy Parker to me seems, you know, she's consistently, and I don't want to call any horse slow, but she's consistently slow coming home. It seems like the horses that are in her class are faster coming home horses. Do you think that that's going to potentially affect her down the road? Uh, well, you know, I mean, obviously it's affected her in a number of starts this year. As you pointed out, you know, I think she's, She's made uh, about three hundred forty thousand um, dollars. You know, you're right. If you're looking at her, if you're looking at her lines, not a lot of strong finishes. And if you're watching her trot, certainly not a lot of strong finish. I mean, um, you know, had pretty much an uncontested lead until Woman's Will come after her going down the backside to three quarters, 
and uh, she was really all out to hold on for a sec as a radiant beam tried to come up inside of her and go past her. And then um, there's another long shot horse that was uh, closing down the center of the track to get fourth. Um, but yeah, not a lot of not a lot of finishing kick for uh, for Kathy Parker at this point of her career. Certainly, certainly tremendous amount of gate speed, and uh, she's going to be in position to make a lot of money. Just the fact that she can leave the gate quickly and cut the fractions. Um, but yeah, until uh, until Jimmy figures out a way to get a little more stamina and durability out of her, so that she can she can come home in under 28 seconds or 28 and a piece, you know, in these big races. Uh, yeah, she's going to be a bridesmaid in a, in a lot of these races, but um, decent effort today, but certainly no match for a woman's will. Yeah, one of the horses that made a break in this race from the inside, five to one of the morning line, window shopper, um, and this was a horse that may have figured into the, the uh, early uh, pace scenario even more Uh if uh, you know to add the Kathy Parker's uh, woes towards the end, but uh, let's talk about uh, Ted Woman's Will. I mean, this to me was an impressive victory, and you could say maybe she wasn't facing the best here in the matron, but I'll tell you what, it was an in-hand victory. Uh, I would say she probably came the back half in fifty-six and change. Uh, where do you see this uh, horse going in the future? Well, I mean, certainly she's got a bright future. I mean, uh, she's. Really hasn't ducked anybody at this point. Oh, PA Sire Stakes uh, final. She was a, a little bit unlucky with the trip in there, in a race uh, that Broadway Donna won. Um, you, you know, I, I don't know if she ever got clear trotting position at any point and still finished well enough to get third. And then at Lexington, two uh, a good effort at Hoosier in the big stake race out there, finished second, and then um, you know set most of the fractions at, at Lexington. Got beat by Ultimate Chopper in a good effort and then back to back force in the breeders crown. So um you know, as of right now she's uh you know, not not among the top three, but certainly the way she tried it today and like you pointed out, a back half and fifty six in a piece easily. Um and really what was almost a two move mile from from my standpoint, because I thought after Kathy Parker made the front, it looked like Andy Miller was gonna try to brush with her uh, or make a quarter move with her, and then opted to stay in and just sat forth to about the, about the half, almost the five eighths, and then come first up and easily took took the lead with a, a big first over move down the backside and just drew off. I mean, back to back twenty eight second quarters really for her, and you know if they can do that at age two, I mean certainly uh, certainly got a bright future on hand. So. I, I'm sure they want to try some of the better three-year-old Philly, excuse me, two-year-old Philly trotters again, and uh, I'm sure they're eager to to have her in the big three-year-old Philly stakes races next year. All right, let's talk about the paces. Race seven was the two-year-old Philly pace uh, for a price of 183,000 plus, and uh, on paper you could probably have narrowed it down to two newborn sassies uh, coming to this race on fire. Uh, She's got uh, quite a winning streak going, and uh, she's a real deal uh, from the inside with uh, John Campbell, Campbell driving her from the second time, a good second-place finish, closing well in the Breeders' Crown uh, against uh, the undefeated Pure Country. But uh, something would have missed. She's a real deal, made a break, and this really opened the door for uh, Newborn Sassy and a pretty easy win, Ted. Yeah, it did. You know, And you're right, on paper, I mean, it did look like it was going to be a battle of, say, uh, she's a real deal who certainly had the class edge coming into the race off a second-place finish in the Breeders' Crown, and already made over $300,000 against Newborn Sassy, who's uh, won six in a row and seven out of nine, and, uh, you know, pretty much feasted on uh, some local competition at, at different tracks, at the Meadows and even at Harrington. Um, but it was pretty much decided early. I mean, Newborn Sassy made the front uh, pretty easily, and, again, uh, Campbell got away third with uh, She's a Real Deal, and, uh, you know, it looked like he was just – going to let um, Skinny Dipper drop in and either maybe try a, a brush move to take the lead before the half, or he was certainly willing to just let her drop in the hole there and uh, bide his time from there, maybe maybe try a first over move past the half if he didn't brush to the front. But, uh, yeah, she just she went off stride. I, I didn't see anything particular that, that might have caused her to jump, but unfortunately she did jump. She did get back on stride before the half, but uh, by that point it had spotted her newborn sassy about 12 or 15 lengths, 
And then from there, uh, Newborn Sassy was pretty much in command. I mean, got to the half in 56-3, and three, never got pressed by three-quarters in 24-4, and four, and, you know, sprinted home in 27-1 uh, to finish off the mile in 152. So, yeah, she's won seven in a row and eight out of ten, and looks like she can be okay. And uh, I'd be curious what the reason was behind she's a real deal going off stride today because um, I certainly expected her to be no worse than second in that group. Yeah, that's something that she uh, that she hasn't shown is uh, going off stride, so we'll have to see what happens there. But, you know, a horse that I had a, a chance to see last time, Ted, at Harris, Philadelphia, back on the 23rd of October, was the eventual second-place finisher here and uh, Pen Pal. And this was a horse that, granted, it was against uh, a nominee of one, but uh, she was able to, you know, brush to the top. She was a heavy favorite, but uh, she won 56-4 and four under wraps. And this was after a couple of uh, stakes disappointments and uh, maybe the move back to overnights give her a little bit of uh, confidence. I thought she raced well tonight. As a matter of fact, I thought she had a little bit of a chance to catch Newborn Sassy at the end there. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I think uh, maybe that, that win at Harris, Philadelphia was a confidence boost and, uh, and a wake-up mile for this filly because, you know, again, I mean, she did make uh, an extended bid down the backside to clear uh, – the inside horses that were sitting second and third, I think Major Millie and, and Skinny Dipper were, were sitting second and third down the backside, and she cleared them pretty easily um, first over and then dropped in the hole behind Newborn Sassy, turned it for home and angled to the passing lane and appeared to have plenty of pace. And uh, like I said, it looked like she had a shot to catch Newborn Sassy. Didn't quite get to her, but a very good effort from, uh, from Pen Pal tonight. So I imagine, um, you know, Pat Lachance's, not going to be too hesitant to try her in, in some of the big races uh, either later this fall or early next year because, uh, you know, off of Nomad as a one win, she uh, certainly showed a lot of ability tonight finishing, you know, second behind a horse that's won seven in a row now. All right. Moving right along to the final uh, matron stinks, the uh, two-year-old Colton Gelding pace, and, and Carter's chomping at the bit to talk about the 99-1. to <laughs> But hold, hold on, Mike. We'll, we'll get, get you, you must have had two bucks to show on the horse, right, Mike? I, I guess, I, yeah, I did. I had about yeah, ten bucks to show on. Yeah, Ted, Ted, Mike's a big show better, $2. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, was a, it was a good uh, effort uh, in this uh, particular race, uh, I thought, for uh, Big Top Hanover, obviously, was second in the Breeders' Crown. Uh, leading money earner in the field, but this was kind of the uh, the most wide open race I would say of the matrons. I mean, you you had Auto Tune Hanover coming in; he's been successful in the New York Sires Stakes. He had Katie's Rocker, one of the uh, Bluegrass winners and uh, winner of four of his last five, and then he had Ideal Rocky from the outside. He didn't get a very good draw today, but has had some uh, stakes experience. But uh, it was uh, Big Top Hanover taking him the distance. Yeah, you know, I was a little surprised that he was such a short price uh, again uh, on. On paper, like you pointed out, it it did look like it was the most wide open of the four uh, of the four events. I, I you know, I thought uh, Pretty Boy Hill would take a little more money. He did end up being four to one second choice, and then some of the outside horses like Auto Tune Hanover and Katie's Rocker, I believe, were both around five to one at, at post time. Um, I did not expect Big Top Hanover to go below even money and end up at two to five, but. He certainly raced like he was the best tonight. You know, made the front in 26 and three, got to the half in 55 and three. Really didn't get pressed going to three quarters and 123 and three, and then you know one one is the best in uh, 151 and four. And uh, yeah, nice effort from Beach Ogre. You know, who got away fourth and just saved ground throughout uh, down the backside and on the far turn and come up the inside to edge out Pretty Boy. Hill for uh, for the runner-up spot at a big big price there. So um, decent effort from Pretty Boy Hill, but you can see why uh, the horse is still a maiden from 11 starts, um, five seconds and four thirds now. And um, but you know pretty nice maiden to have. He's made 130,000. But um, yeah, not much out of Auto Tune Hanover. Tried a brief first over bid down the backside and didn't sustain it. Katie's Rocker um, didn't just show a lot tonight, unfortunately. Uh, Big Top Hanover was was the best. A uh, little short price for what I, you know, a two to five, a little bit short to take in there. But he raced like he was uh, the best, and you know, three wins and thirteen starts now. I think he's got close to four hundred thousand on his card. So uh, pretty much justified his uh, and validated his second place finish in the Breeders' Crown, which uh, had actually been at a at a big price. You know, I think he was like thirty five to one in there. So. 
Now, Ted, uh, I want to talk about Beach Ogre for just a quick second. Beach Ogre has never paced a mile faster than 153 and 2 from the lines I can see. Tonight he goes 152 and 1. Were you surprised at all that Beach Ogre raced as well as he did coming off that qualifier? Uh, yeah, two things. Uh, a, coming off the qualifier, and B, you know, I mean, he had been pretty much uh, facing, you know, the the, uh, the lighter group in Pennsylvania, I would say, you know, in the, the Stallion Series, I think it's called at the Meadows and in Harris, Philadelphia. Um, you know, decent effort in the Liberty Bell when he was second. Uh, and then, you know, sixth at Lexington and fifth at Lexington, in efforts that were pretty much nondescript, and the horse got no backing whatsoever. You know, he's 75 to one in one of the races, and 60 to one in the other one. And uh, like you pointed out, you know, he's got a mark of 54, and you know, he's second in 53 a couple of times on a 5/8 mile track. So, uh, you know, if he if he paces 53 in a piece here, you figure he's going to get beat eight or ten lengths. So, um, but a but a good effort for him to come up the inside and edge out Pretty Boy Hill. For uh, for the runner-up spot, uh, and and I and I guess really the the trip was the whole key for him today. You know, I mean, right. he he never moved never moved from the pylons. You know, he got away fourth, uh, moved improved position. You know, when Auto Two and Hanover tried to come first over down the backside, and just saved ground the whole time. And uh, then you know, Pretty Boy Hill was the one that angled out of the pocket, turned it for home, and that just left the the passing lane wide open for uh, Beach Ogre. So. Got uh, brave enough coming up the inside and and race good. Um, I wouldn't necessarily back him next time out off this effort. <laughs> you know, you see, you see a lot of horses uh, jump up with a big mile at a big price, and then the next time, uh, you know, they're five or six to one, and you can't find them. But tonight, you got to give him his due. You know, I mean, he he saved ground the whole trip, and uh, you know, he passed Auto Tune Hanover without any problem, and he and he. Uh, Went past Pretty Boy Hill in, in the last uh, last couple strides there, so good effort from him, um, you know. And and again, I mean, if you're willing to take a chance at him at ninety nine to one, uh, you know, you certainly got your money's worth watching him race the way he did tonight. Actually, the matron before there was no show wagering, so Carter had an extra two bucks, so he might have had four bucks to show on <laughs> Beach Ogre. So I just wanted to clarify that. Ted Black, we certainly appreciate you joining us. There was a, uh, a Delaware Standard Bear Breeders Fund for uh, two-year-old Colton Gelding Pace, and I believe a consolation to any anybody stand out there in those couple of races. Or, uh, yeah, I did see the uh, the first one. Uh, I believe uh, the other ones are just getting ready to go. Uh, right. In the first race, it looked like it had a standout with Rusty Carter, who won the the uh, Delaware Fund final at Harrington pretty easily, and he had the rail. Uh, it was it was one to nine pretty much the whole wagering, and then uh, he broke stride, you know, before the quarter. And a horse named Hail to the Master, who's had a good campaign over there, and uh, now won four out of seven. Uh, he went wire to wire and fifty three and three, uh, which is you know good effort for those guys. All Music was second at a big price. Sis uh, Maddie, who would race well in the series at Harrington, finished third. Um, so, yeah, I guess the mystery would just be uh, trying to figure out what happened to Rusty Carter tonight because at 1-9, to nine, didn't hit the board and uh, blew up the place prices. Unfortunately, they they did not have show betting for that race, and I guess the concern would have been that the bridge jumpers would have been lining up to uh, get, you know, get down on uh rusty carter and you know they they would have been they would have been sobbing in their uh, losing that tickets if they had because because <laughs> uh yeah he he didn't hit the board so the winner paid 30 and i think the two place prices were both in the 50s um but good effort from hail to the master uh, I, i'm willing to give rusty carter a pass off the, the break line which he hadn't shown so um certainly can can come back and and try him again but yeah hail to the master uh, is a nice uh, nice pacer for that group over there. Raced well in the series at Harrington, and uh, went wire to wire tonight. So he's he's okay. All right, Ted Blank, BetAmerica.com correspondent, Mid Atlantic harness racing expert, and uh, Ted, we'll have you on the show again. We certainly appreciate you joining us today. Now, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, look forward to the next time. All right, thank you very much. That was Ted Black and uh, Mike. I guess we uh, we're going to take one more time out. We're going to wrap things up. Talk uh, briefly. Talk uh, about uh, the American Nationals coming up. Yeah, we've got a real quick commercial break coming up. It's brought to you by friends of Maryland Standard Breads. 
Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Uh, we've got just about four and a half or five minutes left in the show. And, uh, Mike, I'll tell you what, a lot of good information from Ted Black there. Yeah, some good races today at uh, Dover. And, uh, you know, some uh, perhaps some budding stars. I really liked Woman's Will. I thought she just raced absolutely huge. Newborn Sassy continues her winning streak. Big Top Hanover was good. And uh, so is uh, the Chuck Sylvester trainee, doggone lucky. So some good action, and we've got some good action coming up at Balmoral Park on Saturday too, Mike. Yeah, we do. Uh, they've got the American Nationals. And while we've got a quick second, we don't have much time to touch on it. Um, however, uh, Freaky Feed Pete uh, is probably going to be the race that we most of us look at anyway. It's in race five. Uh, Freaky Feed Pete takes on My Hero Ron, Lost for Words. All beef, no bull, but there's no really jiggling here. No, and Freaky Feet Pete's looking for his sixth win. I guess the top uh, – sixth win in a row, I should say. The top contender, I guess you could say, is lost for words, and uh, this horse can do it at any time. He finished uh, third in the Breeders' Crown, and there uh, was fourth place in the in the Monument Circle against Freaky Feet Pete and Wiggle It Jiggle It. But, uh, you know, in a, in a race like this that uh, probably has a little less speed than the, those particular races when lost forwards is going up against the more, you know, uh, deeper field. I think we're probably going to see a, a speed mission uh, coming up on Saturday night for lost forwards. So that could make things a little bit interesting, but uh, obviously freaky feet, Pete show. I mean, it's just a win or lose. He's the star of the moment that, uh, you know, the win in the monument circle made him a millionaire and uh, just what a great story from, uh, you know, uh, LaGrange, Indiana, and uh, I think uh, he's uh, definitely going to be the favorite. And, Mike, no show wagering. I'm sorry. Yeah. No show betting for me, right? Uh, the other race I really want to take a quick look at, Mike, is the seventh race, and I know you touched on this earlier. It's foiled again versus always be Mickey. There's edges here, but the one horse I want to look at is Let's Drink On It. And Let's Drink On It's had some really bad luck as of late, but this horse is coming home to a track that he knows, and local driver Travis Seekman will be in the bike. This is definitely going to be a horse to watch out for at potentially a big price. Yeah, local favorite, but always be Mickey, British Crown champion. You know, come back off that uh, layoff to, and is just doing good things in his uh, four-year-old uh, career so far, three for three, $227,000, but foiled again. The colder it gets, the better it will be for the ageless warrior who, uh, you know, once again, Shocked the world of the pace. Well, not so much shocked the world, I should say. He went off a 9-2. But nonetheless, uh, quieted the critics, at least for another week, as they got the win over Jake Hand of an era and all bets off. Uh, Breeders' Crown elimination winner. That was a nasty night in the Breeders' Crown. I mean, the weather was just completely nasty. And foiled again, had to be used to get position and then had to come to the outside, but always be Mickey. By that time, it made the lead and pretty much put it away. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. Always be Mickey versus foiled again. And you're going with a little bit of drop of uh, – Let's drink on it. Some of the other races, Mike, how much, how much time we have? Oh, we've got about maybe 25 seconds. The other 25 race, uh, seconds. Okay. Yeah, the other race I saw is Pinkman not around. Uh, Habitat is there in the bank that you picked out in the Breeders' Crown. So uh, a lot of good trotters there as well. Yeah, there sure is. The bank, of course, uh, the 5-2 to two morning line favorite. I think this horse has found its uh, uh, stride. But what about Homicide Hunter? 19 of 27. Uh, he's uh, been kind of been localized. The second place finish in the earth. Going to get closely to uh, Crazy Wow. And uh, this could be uh, perhaps the next uh, greatest star to uh, come out of the Hoosier State, Mike. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mike, uh, we got to wrap things up. We appreciate everybody for joining us. Make sure you check us out on the archive. You can check us out on iTunes. For Mike Carter this and Mike Bozich, we thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next Thursday right back here on Blog Talk Radio.